Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Just a few days ago, the scientific community was stunned by a major breakthrough. DeepMind, a London-based artificial intelligence company owned by Google, announced that it had predicted the structure of nearly every protein known to science. In effect, solving one of biology's biggest mysteries. Normally, understanding the structure of just one protein can take three to five years. Researchers might spend their entire PhDs just to figure out how a single protein folds. But DeepMind's AI system, called AlphaFold, trained on existing data and went far beyond its earlier trial accomplishments. With its clever algorithm, AlphaFold could accurately predict the 3D structure of over 200 million proteins. It is a breathtaking achievement, and it's been made open source so anyone in the research community can use the information for free, which promises to unlock future innovations. Essentially, you can think of it covering the entire protein universe. This update includes predictive structures for plants, bacteria, animals, and many, many other organisms, opening up huge new opportunities for AlphaFold to have impact on important issues such as sustainability, food insecurity, and neglected diseases. Demis Hassabis, the company's boss, explained the significance of the advance at a press conference last week. I think that we're kind of at the beginning of a new era now of digital biology, what we like to call digital biology, where AI and computational methods can help to understand and model important biological processes. He spoke to me about the innovations and why they're so important, and we'll hear from him later in the show. Making all of these protein structures available could have a huge impact on problems such as famine and disease, and it could open up new avenues of scientific discovery. Hello and welcome to Babbage from The Economist, our weekly award-winning podcast on science and technology. I'm Kenneth Kukie, the Deputy Executive Editor of The Economist. Today, we'll explore whether AI has finally solved one of biology's biggest challenges. Are we really at the dawn of a new era of AI-infused biology? We'll also investigate what comes next for biological research and for AI. What impact could the new protein database have on medicine and life sciences, from turning the tide on neglected diseases to designing entirely new proteins? And how can the story of AlphaFold inform the next generation of artificial intelligence? DeepMind's latest success is just one of many we've profiled on the show. And as a disclosure, we should note that one of its co-founders and a former executive, Mustafa Suleiman, is on the board of directors of our parent company, The Economist Group. But before we talk about how the system works, I wanted to know why protein structures are so important in biological research and what it means to have all this data available. One of our science correspondents, Gilad Amit, is here to guide me through the show today. Gilad, it is great to have you here. Hi, Ken. Happy to be here. Let's start with the basics. 
What is a protein? So proteins are among the most important molecules in any living organism. And a helpful analogy that gets trotted out a lot is to think of them as machines that are sort of really exquisitely designed to perform particular functions in the body, whether that's transporting nutrients or attacking pathogens. They're essential for life. And they're all made up of these smaller building blocks called amino acids arranged in a string. And there are 20 possible amino acids to choose from. And the full diversity of proteins that you find in nature, everything from insulin to collagen to the antibodies that your body uses to fight COVID-19, all of these proteins are made up of sequences of these 20 different amino acids. So if we know what is inside the sequence of the protein, why is it so important to know the structure, how they're put together? So if we go back to thinking of proteins as machines, it becomes really clear that you can only understand how they work if you have a full picture of the 3D assembly. You wouldn't want me to take the engine out of your car and then replace it with all the same components in in a different random order. It's the positioning of the different amino acids, the structure of the bends, of the folds. Sometimes these chains are hundreds or thousands of amino acids long, so there's some real complexity that can be built there. That 3D structure is essential to allow the protein to perform its function, and that's what biologists really need to know. Now, traditionally, finding out the structure of proteins has been something that is resource and time intensive. But that changed last year when DeepMind released the data from its first batch of around 350,000 predictions. Now, a year on, the data released just last week covers 200 million protein structures. I spoke to Demis Asabis, who is the founder and CEO of DeepMind, to find out how they managed to do it. Yes, it's pretty exciting, actually. So we've now folded all 200 million proteins that are, you know, known to science. And uh, actually, it's more than 200 million um, that have been catalogued by science. And so you can think of it as the entire protein universe, obviously in partnership with the European Bioinformatics Institute. So we're going to be updating our AlphaFold uh, structure database with all of those new structures. So that's pretty much the structure of every protein out in nature all the you know, different organisms and animals and bacteria and everything there is. So um, we hope that's going to be an amazing sort of treasure trove for scientists and biologists to build on and, and do their research on. Now, before I get to the actual specifics of that treasure trove, let me ask about how. How did you do that? When we, uh, obviously, we created AlphaFold 2 and tested that back in 2020 on the CAS14 competition, which is you can think of it as like the Olympics for protein folding. And we, we won that competition. And more importantly, we got our accuracy down to atomic accuracy. So less than one angstrom error. So 0.1 of a nanometer error. And that's the, the width of an atom. And, um, and that's the level of accuracy that you need in order for experimentalists and biologists and, and chemists to rely on those results and actually do things like drug discovery or disease understanding on top of those computational predictions. So it's about the level of accuracy that you would get if you were to do a painstaking crystallography experiment, which is the normal way that you find out the structures of proteins. So we released it back then. Since then, we've been improving the system. It's super fast. So, you know, you can fold an average protein in a matter of minutes and sometimes seconds. And that's allowed us over the last year since we released AlphaFold 
to fold all these 200 million proteins. And yeah, it's, it's sort of what we call it is kind of science at digital speed. We'll hear more from Demis later on. First, Gilad, a form of AlphaFold has been around for a year, though with far fewer protein predictions. How is that received by the scientific community? So as you say, almost exactly a year ago, AlphaFold released their first protein structure predictions. And it was the first indication of just how powerful a tool this was going to be. And they prioritized the organisms that are the bread and butter of biological research, the things the biologists study the most, things like fruit flies, mice, human beings, because knowing the proteins of these organisms was going to make the biggest impact. That is so inspiring. And as we heard from Demis, the number is now much higher, encompassing all proteins known to science. That's right. With a few very small exceptions, proteins that are particularly long and cumbersome to sequence, which they're hoping to clear up pretty soon, they've sequenced something like 214 million proteins out of the 230 million that we know of. So it's an incredible advance from 350,000 a year ago. Now, what does this mean for scientists? What research areas will be impacted by this new tool? So to some extent, it's difficult to say partly because it's such a powerful tool that almost anything sounds possible. And the application list that AlphaFold released with their announcements includes some remarkable potential uses, things like developing drugs for diseases, training AI to design new drugs, teaching bacteria to digest plastics instead of natural compounds. There are all sorts of applications that could emerge. One area that really stands to benefit is the study of neglected diseases. Now, these are diseases like Leishmaniasis, Chagas disease. They collectively impact billions of people worldwide, mostly in low-income countries. And they have little in common other than they're considered a low-priority target for pharmaceutical research. Gilad, you've been speaking to a lot of doctors about how this is affecting their work. Yes, somebody particularly well-placed to talk about the impact on neglected diseases is Dr. Charles Mowbray. He's Discovery Director for the Drugs for Neglected Diseases Initiative based in Geneva. And he spoke to me about how AlphaFold could impact their work. We're an organization that was set up nearly 20 years ago, focusing on the needs of patients neglected by the normal innovation systems for pharmaceutical R&D. So classically, the big pharma companies don't generally have an interest in neglected tropical diseases and diseases of the poor. So the vast majority of the investment goes in commercially viable or commercially profitable diseases and neglects a large, large number of diseases and an enormous proportion of the world's population that are at risk, billions of people that are at risk from neglected tropical diseases. And that's really where we step in to try and develop these new medicines and make them available to the patients that really need them around the world. What I'd like to do is just to move on to talk about the AlphaFold work and the connection with the work that they've been doing. I guess perhaps on a very basic biological level, would you be able to explain to us why it is that understanding the structure of a protein is important in developing a cure for a disease? Absolutely. So we know that many drugs can tackle a disease or an infectious disease because, for example, that drug will stop a parasite growing or prevent the replication of a virus. But how does it do that? So for us to move from observational to a much more mechanistic approach, we need to think about what's that drug doing? How does it interact with the proteins, the three-dimensional biological molecules that make up the machinery of a parasite or a virus or another infectious agent? And if you can think about 
designing a drug, it's like trying to find a key to fit a lock. So those proteins have a three-dimensional shape with a surface and with crevices and pockets in it. And very often we're looking for molecules to fit in a pocket. And if you imagine trying to make a key for a lock and you didn't know what the lock looked like, life would be quite difficult. If you've got some idea of what sort of structure it is, then inside, what does the mechanism look like? Then you could start to design a key much more effectively. And if small changes happen in that lock, so if we think about COVID, where we think about mutations and resistant variants coming along, we know what's changed. We know how to change our drug molecules to make them fit the lock. The need is quite clear then in order to understand how a protein's chemical structure translates into 3D structure. What are some of the treatments or some of the diseases where AlphaFold's work may prove useful in unlocking doors? So I think the exciting thing about the AlphaFold technology is it's transferable between diseases. And particularly for us working on neglected diseases where the research has been neglected. So we know less about the underlying biology. We have less access to three-dimensional structures of proteins, for example. Being able to use AlphaFold to help us quickly make predictions about the three-dimensional structure of those proteins on any disease that we choose to work on can help us to more quickly identify potential drug molecules and to optimize those drug molecules to turn them into something that looks like a solid drug candidate. It won't be the answer to all of our dreams and give us new drugs overnight, but it should help us to get started faster, to move more quickly and to be able to do more drug discovery projects. Charles, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. You know, what I love about the technology is it removes friction and it just takes things that we can already do, but makes it much, much faster so we can do more of it. That's absolutely right. And this has other benefits as well. There are tremendous inefficiencies involved in the way that protein structures are calculated today, because different labs are all investing computational resources and uh, researcher time on trying to work these things out. And now when there is one release that contains everything all in one place, that frees up so much time, it minimizes the carbon emissions associated with the calculations. So there are all sorts of reasons why this is a good thing to happen. Right. The technology also seems really democratizing because it now allows researchers in less developed countries to do the same sort of research as in really high-end labs, which otherwise were able to identify the sequence of and the structure of the proteins. I think that's definitely the goal here. And that's what's exciting. Lots of researchers in, as you say, countries where perhaps funding is harder to access for, for scientific research. This is so interesting. Gilad, let me ask you, when do you think we're going to see new treatments for some of these diseases based on the AlphaFold dataset? The people I've been speaking to have said that this is likely to shave a couple of years off the drug development pipeline. So some of these things are going to take, you know, they might take eight years instead of 10, but they're unlikely to emerge tomorrow just because the protein structure is known. It's a big part of the question, but there's plenty more to do. But I also wonder whether we're going to be able to find answers to some of these diseases that we wouldn't have been able to do at all were it not for the database. I think that's a very exciting prospect. I think one of the things that researchers around the world are doing now as we speak is looking at the database that DeepMind has released, looking at the proteins that might be uh, of interest and trying to see if there are any new ideas that, that can emerge for how to maybe stop a protein functioning or maybe improve the way another one works. So this does really broaden out the landscape of potential solutions and give 
hopefully, inspiration to people working on many of these important challenges. Gilad, can I ask a really difficult, hard, and really uncomfortable, in fact, nasty question? Go for it. So, DeepMind made this data available for free. They open-sourced it. And, of course, 20 years ago, a little bit more, 25 years ago, during the Human Genome Project, there was an American initiative to actually sequence the first human genome, but actually collect intellectual property around the sequences for the purpose of exploiting it commercially. That was seen as reprehensible. And later, of course, the two two systems uh, joined forces to then make the sequence of the human genome freely accessible to all. But I do wonder, like, as a thought experiment, what would this be worth? How much money could you have instead of actually making it open source, making it openly available for licensing? What do you think? I mean, a lot of people would be very interested in using this, and the licensing terms could be really reasonable, but not zero. And you could make a fortune. So what do you think it's worth? How much are they giving away, or how much are they leaving on the table? Well, if you want an exact figure, you should probably invite one of the business or finance correspondents. I couldn't give you a figure for what it's worth. What I can tell you is how important it is that DeepMind has made it freely accessible. I'm wary of being too effusive in my praise here, because... To some extent, it's only natural that they made it freely accessible, partly because of the previous controversies in the field about trying to make some of these things proprietary, but also because all deep learning relies upon good data. And the data sets essential to the AlphaFold program were all freely available and by design curated so that they could be accessed by researchers at the European Molecular Biology Laboratory, EMBL, and others. And so it feels only fitting that if the tree is planted in a publicly accessible meadow, then its fruit shouldn't be off limits either. That is such a beautiful metaphor. Now, one of the interesting elements to this is that now that we have a database that can predict existing proteins, are we learning something new about biology so that we can design synthetic ones? That's exactly right. And I find this fascinating because we've been talking, you know, in large numbers, we've been talking about 200 million proteins But if you think of all the possible ways of combining amino acids into a string, there's an infinite possible range there. So 200 million that nature has designed is a very small island in this vast wilderness of of, of unexplored potential proteins. And all kinds of useful candidates might be hiding somewhere out there. I spoke to Professor Berta Höcke, who runs a lab at the University of Bayreuth in Germany. She focuses on designing new proteins And she told me what the AlphaFold release could mean for her research. It is very useful. (laughs) Absolutely, because we can start from a structural model. It's something that we don't have to do then ourselves, for example. So this whole data that has been made available, I think it's a treasure trove for many, many applications, not only design, actually. What it really does is it makes it accessible to a broad community and also to people who wouldn't model themselves. So in that way, I mean, we could use those tools, I guess, and we have already since they come out, but it's much easier if I can go to a database and just click on it. No, no, and I have a starting model and then I can already test my hypothesis. But for engineering, and that means for me, changing a given protein that exists, a natural protein, and changing it to something else by tweaking it, For that, a model is super helpful. So I can already look at the structure and say, at this position, I probably need something else. It will not help to build proteins de novo per se to have these models 
But the way the models have been done, the techniques, they are fundamentally changing the way we design proteins de novo. So in that respect, it's more the techniques that we already are implementing into designing proteins. I think about the, the AlphaFold database as kind of a, a dictionary translating from chemical sequence to 3D structure. Obviously, that's a very helpful dictionary to have if you're using the 3D structures, but it also sounds as though you could make use of the rules that are present in the dictionary in order to design new words that might be pronounceable by the people who speak the language. Well, there has been something learned, right? AlphaFold can predict many of the structures. Um, I think they said it was 80% of all the sequences that they could produce good models for and 35% that are really super good, as good as experimental ones. And so, yeah, for these, we have now good models, but for the others, the ones that we don't know enough about, we don't. So now it must have learned something, but we haven't really found a way to get that back out of it. <laughs> so I think machine learning is this black box in a way. And I don't think we really know exactly yet what it has learned. That will be super interesting in the future to figure that out. Now, thinking about the 20% where we get not really good models, that means there's something that they can't predict and there must be still some new things out there. How different they are, we don't know. And I guess here we just know where to focus on. But we still it also shows us there's still quite a bit of interesting things to learn. And the models will, well, they don't work yet, but this is... I think, where then the developments will focus on, on trying to also elucidate those. Obviously, as we've seen, AlphaFold has, in the space of a few years, practically solved a problem that has dogged biologists for, for decades. So clearly, there is enormous potential for machine learning to make revolutionary advances in science. How excited are you about the potential? What, if anything, worries you? I'm super excited about all of this, what's happening. It's It's been fantastic seeing this. First, it was hard to believe even how incredible uh, fast this, this field has developed. And it's incredible to just yeah watch it. It's hard to actually follow all the threats because it really seems to enable so many new ideas. And there's probably things that we don't even think about right now that it can be applied to. Yeah, what, what worries me? Not not really anything at the moment, I guess. Um, no, I just see the, the huge potential. So, Gilad, what sort of proteins might teams like Berta's want to design? So she pointed out that proteins have all evolved to solve some sort of biological problem. Uh, but humans, in our ingenuity, have come up with all sorts of problems that evolution hasn't had time to solve. So we might want to speed that process along, for example, to have a protein that dissolves some of the plastic waste that we've been leaving on the surface of the planet, or to design a protein that helps carry drugs around the body um, in a way that allows them to target tumors versus healthy cells. Those are the sorts of things that, that new proteins um, could help do. That sounds absolutely fabulous. Thanks, Gilad. Next, we'll explore what this could mean for the future of AI and scientific research. But first, it's time for the usual reminder that you can get a lot more analysis like this in The Economist. This week, you can enjoy our special summer double issue with long reads on Saudi Arabia's volatile millennial despot in the desert and how magicians make social media posts go viral and a lot more. You can find it all on our website or on our app. 
To get your best introductory subscription rate, go to economist.com slash podcast offer. The link is in the show notes. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you. Gilad and I will be back in just a moment. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. So far on the show today, we've looked at some of the possible applications for the protein structures uncovered by DeepMind's AlphaFold AI system. But Gilad, casting our minds forward, does this mean the end of structural biology if everything can just be predicted by AI? So absolutely not. What AlphaFold has done is provide one very accurate prediction of the structure of each known protein. But biologists already know that every protein exists in multiple different structures. It contorts differently depending on the molecules that it's near, depending on the part of the organism that it's in, and depending on the stage it's at and its function. So there are all sorts of factors that influence the protein structure, which AlphaFold has not yet been able to come close to tackling. But there's no question that this is a tremendous boost to research. It's a tremendous step forward, but it's far from being the end of structural biology. I suppose that's not only entirely true, but it doesn't even touch on the larger, deeper questions of why we can understand the structure of the protein, but we don't understand any mechanisms of causality behind it. And in fact, indeed, the AI gives us the answer without explaining how it arrived at the answer or how that answer came to be. That's an excellent point. To some extent, saying that this problem is solved implies, as you say, that we know why these proteins fold the way they do, not just that they fold the way they do. And this is going to be a, an ever more significant problem as AI stretches its tentacles ever deeper into different fields of science. We're going to have really accurate answers based on logic that we don't quite follow. And, you know, showing one's working is always an important element of, of scientific practice for human beings. And it's even more so for machines to make sure that we can trust the conclusions they come to and that we can adapt them as and when the foundations of science that we program into them change. That's exactly right. And as we learn more of AI's answers, it raises the the question and maybe the paradox that as we become closer to the frontier of knowledge, we become farther away from it as well because we learn more but understand less. I, th- I think these are some of the really interesting intellectual questions that we're now actually having to wrestle with. It's not just philosophical speculation. We have these machines. They're giving us answers. Do they know? Do they understand? It's an open question. Well, suppose the question is to answer it. The answer is no, they don't. But we can still use them. They're a tool. The wrench doesn't have to know, you know, what it does and how it does it for us to change a car tire. But humans are indispensable in the process of using the tool of AI. And on that note, Kilad, we heard from Demis Hassabis a little at the beginning, and I want to return to him now. As the founder and CEO of DeepMind, the company behind AlphaFold, I asked him about what he thought about the possibilities of AI and science working together in the future. And I asked him specifically what they had learned through the journey of predicting 200 million protein structures. 
We have learned quite a lot of things. So one of the big things that we've learned over the past year is where we were discussing earlier about the confidence level that AlphaFold has in its predictions. So what was interesting and we were wondering for quite a while is where AlphaFold is not confident about part of the structure. Is that actually uh, an error in AlphaFold in terms of something it just can't quite do and we need to improve on? Or does it actually tell us something about the biology itself? So there's this thing of disordered proteins, which are proteins that don't have any firm structure until they interact with something else in the body, another protein, a a nutrient, a chemical, something else. And then suddenly they may gain a structure, right? So this is a big unknown in biology. And actually what people have found is you could use AlphaFold, turn it on its head and say where AlphaFold is not confident about structure is actually a good prediction for disorderedness. So it tells you something maybe about the underlying biology. So that's pretty cool. I think actually what's going to be really exciting is to see what people are going to do with this 200 million proteins. Because what we predict is that there'll be almost a new field, which we call colloquially internally as metaproteomics, where one would zoom out and look at this entire treasure trove of new information, 200 million structures across all organisms. And I think that will reveal something new about possibly evolution or the connectedness and the function of these proteins based on being able to observe this massive amount of data as an overall source and perhaps finding patterns across species or across organisms that were not obvious before until you could zoom out and see it all at once. And probably that's going to, funnily enough, of course, going to need AI analysis itself a different type of AI from AlphaFold to analyze and find the patterns in that much data. And that's something we're working on, but we also imagine now we're releasing all this data, we hope the whole scientific community will attempt to do as well. And what's next for DeepMind? Where are you going to focus your algorithms on the next grand challenges? Yeah, well, of course, we always work on many projects at the same time. But the kind of key areas we're looking at now in core AI research is very large models, tackling language, tackling multimodal, like video understanding. These kinds of things are next on the agenda in our kind of core AI research. And then in the more um, AI for science domain, and specifically biology, biology is extremely dynamic. So you really need to understand about interactions. And that's the next step for us is looking at protein, protein interactions, Uh, protein ligand interactions, binding strengths, small molecule design, and then upstream of AlphaFold, we're doing a lot of work on genomics and understanding disease and trying to figure out which proteins or, or which genes are involved in what types of diseases. So we're sort of looking both upstream and downstream of AlphaFold and seeing which other big bottlenecks can be addressed by AI. Looking both upstream and downstream seems sort of iterative or accretive on what you've already done, but it isn't, I don't know if it touches the frontier of new knowledge in the same way that protein folding has. Yes. Well, the the overall goal of all of that together is, I mean, of course, they would all be of massive pragmatic and practical use in things like drug discovery. So it could be pretty revolutionary for that in itself. But the big grand goal, I would say, over the next maybe 10 years is to create a virtual cell so what I mean by that is, is build a model of an entire functioning cell where maybe one day you could do experiments in silico on that virtual cell 
obviously many thousands, maybe millions of times faster than you could explore things and ideas in a wet lab. And then only at the final stage, you know, when you have some hypothesis or some new theory about how something's working, you would test it in a wet lab for validation purposes, not for the exploration phase. And I think that could be completely transformative for biology and biology understanding. And so you can think of all these bits that we're building now in themselves, you could imagine them as just small steps towards this bigger, grander goal when you zoom out and you combine all of these different components together so that you can completely describe the inner workings of a cell. That's absolutely fantastic. Demis, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Gilad, I wonder to what degree DeepMind's AlphaFold is just a canary in the coal mine for AI in the sciences, in which we're going to be able to create these new tools that produce new tools for us to learn from, and that a lot of the sort of the frontier of science is going to shift into taking these new technologies and enabling an entirely new activity around the sciences. I think there's no question that it's the most spectacular example of AI facilitating science to date. And I think that DeepMind and others are going to make similar breakthroughs in other areas of science. We've seen people talking about the potential that AI could have in achieving controlled nuclear fusion. We've seen people talking about the possibility of revolutionizing mathematics. People are very excited about what it could do. Let me just pick up on that and say revolutions in science begin with revolutions in the tools that scientists use. We saw that with the microscope. We saw that with the telescope. We saw that with the invention of calculus. And I have a feeling that what we're witnessing right now with DeepMind and will soon go to other innovations by other laboratories is going to be using AI to create revolutions in the toolkit that all the other scientific domains use, solving their problems so that they have better tools to make better discoveries. What I like about this, Ken, is that it's grounding the discussion here. It's treating AI as another scientific tool the facilitation of progress, not treating this as necessarily a you know, singularity-style moment where suddenly everything changes. Human scientists have always been involved in the production of new knowledge. They've always made use of tools to facilitate that. And I'm biased towards thinking of the emergence of machine learning as just another tool that is going to be transformative, as many previous inventions were, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the practice of science is fundamentally different. But I look forward to be proven wrong. I love it. I look forward to it as well, imagining what the future can possibly be. Thank you, Gilad, so much. Thank you, Ken. Our thanks to Charles Mowbray, Berta Hocker, and Demis Hassabis. And thank you for listening to Babbage. This week's show was produced by Hannah Fisher and Jason Hoskin, with mixing and sound design by James Stickland. The executive producer is Hannah Mourinho. I'm Kenneth Kukier, and in London, this is The Economist. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, 
whether it's a local operation or a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.